So, I've been given the daunting task of telling you about Jesus' childhood today. There's not a whole lot in the Bible that talks about Jesus as a child. There's a lot of lost books that are out there that you don't know whether to believe or not believe. But Matthew talks about Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. It talks about the visit of the wise men, his escape to Egypt, and then back to Nazareth. And then the only other place is in the Gospel of Luke. And so the Gospel of Luke's passages are more about Jesus' impact on the world. So we're going to be in Luke today. So starting in Luke 2, 22 through 38 says, Now then, the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed. They brought him to, the, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And he had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom and the law, he, told him, he, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign which he will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess of the daughter of Phineal, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband for seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption of Jerusalem. So to get you to understand these passages, I need you to understand a little about Luke. See, Luke was a doctor and a historian. He, he wrote this gospel for an individual named Theophilus. And there's a lot of debate about who Theophilus is, but most of the scholars and teachers believe that Theophilus was Matthias ben Theophilus. He was the leader of the Sanhedrin from 65 to 66, and it's highly likely that he was writing these to him specifically. Because he followed the Jewish custom of having two witnesses to everything that he wrote. And in this instance, the two witnesses he used were Anna, and Simeon. But it wasn't just them, it was, it was the fact that if this is who he was writing to, 
he would have known that Theophilus had the ability to go into the temple and read the words of the scribes. He had the ability to go in there and make sure that everything that Luke wrote in his gospel was exactly, word for word, what these people said. So as we go into this, I, I want you to, to think about this. This is something that he, could be, he, he wrote with the intent of being able to prove to this man. So we're going to skip over Simeon for right now, and we're going to start with Anna. So the special thing about Anna is that he specifically chose her because she was an authority in the temple. She had been in the temple for 80 years. I mean, people must have looked at her like she was, you know, a, a prophet. I mean, she was, it says she was a prophet, but they must have looked at her like she was an authority. I mean, she was there every day praying and fasting, it says. The only ones that they probably were respected more were maybe the temple priests, and I, I'm not even sure they respected them more. She probably was somebody that was, I mean, when she said it, you believed it, because she'd been there. But it, it's the name that, that really triggers something. See, her name was Anna, which is short for Hannah. And we know in the Old Testament there's a story of Hannah and Samuel. Hannah goes into the temple and she asks God for a child because she's barren and she can't have a child. And she says, if you bless me with a child, then I'll dedicate him to you for his entire life and he'll become a Nazarene. So we see a connection here. We have Hannah taking a child into the temple to bless him and he becomes a Nazarene. And we have Mary taking Jesus into the temple and blessing him, and he becomes known as a Nazarene. But what's really important is how Hannah managed, Anna managed this whole situation. She walks into the temple. She hears somebody proclaim that this baby is the Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel. She doesn't hesitate for a second. She doesn't doubt for a minute. She immediately starts proclaiming that he is the Messiah here to redeem Israel. She starts preaching the gospel before the gospel even began. She had no doubt. She knew that this was the one that God had promised. So my first point is some of you here say you know Jesus. Do you go out and proclaim his name to everybody? Do you go out and tell everybody without a doubt that he He's the Lord and Savior of the world. Do you hesitate when you hear his name? Or do you tell everybody about him? Just like Hannah did. There's a famous atheist out there. His name is Penn Jillette. And some of you may have heard this quote before, but I thought it was very, very important for you to hear this because I wanted you to, to grasp what it, what it means. Then Gillette said, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there is a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, or an atheist who thinks that people should not proselytize and say, leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. How much do you have to hate somebody not to proselytize? 
How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? This is an atheist. And he gets it. How many Christians don't? In Matthew 25, 40-45, it says, When you do this to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do it for me. Are you doing for him? So who was Simeon? There's not a whole lot of information about who Simeon was. We know that he was in the temple often. Most pastors tend to, to tell you that he was an old man because he made that statement, now I can go in peace because I've been given my promise. But there's nothing in Luke that says he was an old man. Most scholars believe that this individual was Simeon ben Hadil. He was the son of Hadil the Elder who ran the Sanhedrin. And if that's the case, then this is a, this is a man who was raised in the temple, went to the temple every day. We don't know when he got the promise of God that he would see the Messiah, but we know he was in the temple every day seeking that promise. He went there every day blessing people, loving on people, taking their sacrifices and looking in the face of every person in the temple looking for God in their face, waiting for him to show up because the Holy Spirit had promised him that he would see him. So this is my second point. Do you spend every day seeking God's face? Do you serve him in everything that you do? Do you go to work every day, school every day, to the store every day, with Jesus on your face? Do you go out there expecting to see God show up in your life. Like Jesus said, you do this for the least of them. You're doing it for me. How many times have we shook hands with somebody and blessed somebody and wasn't somebody we expected it to be? If you spend your life expecting God to show up at any moment, could you imagine how amazing your life would be? how you would be known by everybody as that guy, that woman. They're amazing. But Simeon's story doesn't end here. You see, in Luke 2, 41 through 52, directly after this, it says... His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the day, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. 
So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it, it was that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening and then asking him questions, and all who heard him, everybody say all, were amazed at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they didn't understand the statement which he said. And he went down with them and came to Nazarene and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. See, he was about his father's business. He went into the temple for a reason. Those of us who know Jesus know Jesus doesn't show off. He does everything for the Father. He does everything for a reason. He's not prideful. It isn't about him. It's about the Father. So if we think he went into that temple just to show off that he was a 12-year-old that was really smart, then we don't know Jesus. He was in the temple for a reason. So maybe... If Simeon is who the scholars think he is, then he became the leader of the Sanhedrin in 9 AD. Jesus would have been in the temple at 12 years old at 8 AD. Imagine Simeon for a minute. He blesses this child, proclaims him to be the Messiah, and then all of a sudden, the baby's gone. Because we know from Matthew that they went to Egypt. They disappeared. So here this man is, who everybody respected in the temple, proclaiming that the Messiah, he saw the Messiah, there's a baby out there in Bethlehem who's the Messiah, but there is no Messiah there. All of a sudden, he starts doubting himself. He starts questioning whether this baby he saw really was the Messiah that God promised him. He doesn't doubt God, because he knows God provides all of his promises, but he doubts himself. He questions himself. So he prays to God over and over again for him to send him this child again to show the promise fulfilled. So in walks this 12-year-old Jesus into the temple, astonishing the teachers, amazing the temple priests. The scribes are writing his words down because they're just amazing. And Simeon's probably standing there looking at him and he doesn't even recognize him. He doesn't recognize this 12-year-old boy as the baby he blessed 12 years ago. He just sees an amazing 12-year-old boy. Then walks Mary and Joseph and he immediately recognizes them. And he sees this 12-year-old for exactly who he is. The salvation of Israel. The Messiah. God has fulfilled the promise he made to Simeon. Again. He squashed his doubt, squashed his worries. Immediately, he knows that it was real because he kept his faith. 
So my third point is, when you start to doubt, do you have faith in the promises of the Lord? See, when God says He's going to do something, He does it. When He makes a promise to you, He keeps it. Don't doubt. It's okay for us to doubt things. It's okay for us to be worried about things, but never doubt that the God of our understanding will provide what He says He'll provide. He'll give what He says He'll give. He'll care for you when He says He'll care for you. He'll provide His provision for you. But I want to point out something about Mary and Joseph here. We, a lot of people preach this, this passage and say, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. No, they didn't. See, Jesus was 12 years old. At 12 years old, according to Jewish law, he was an adult. He could come and go as he pleased. He didn't have to ask for permission. He could go where he wanted to go. They didn't lose Jesus. They lost focus on Jesus. They stopped paying attention to him. He stopped becoming, he stopped being important to them at that moment. They're about their business doing what they're doing, traveling, talking, and Jesus was back there somewhere. He wasn't their focus. They weren't paying attention to where he was at or what he what he said. He, he was just there. How many of us treat Jesus like that? How many of us put him back there? And it's only important when we realize he's missing in our lives. So my main point is when you lose focus on Jesus, seek him in the temple. In 1 Corinthians 3.16 it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Every one of us have a, are born with a hole that only God can fill. We have a spot in us that only the Lord can fill. We try to pack that thing full of everything we could think of. Sometimes we pack it full of thinking. Sometimes we're so focused on how things seem intellectually that we can't fathom the spiritual. Sometimes we pack it full of drugs and alcohol and anything else we can to just stop feeling empty. We get depressed and suicidal because God's not in there. But when you surrender to Him, accept Him as your Savior and Lord, all that stuff goes away. You know He's there. You are His temple. He's in your heart. So when you Lose focus on him. Seek him where he's always been in your heart. <clears throat>